Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 35. We are pre-recording. Clearly, this is not a live radio show, but it is Canada Day. Yay! Canada Day! (laughs) And for all of you Canadian (laughs) listeners that are checking this out, happy Canada Day to you. If you are listening from the Netherlands or here in the U.S. or the U.K. or anywhere else where we have a few folks that do chime in and listen every, uh, every once in a while... Canada Day is like um it's it's sort of our sort of our independence day. It's the day where we officially became a country under the unification of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and the amalgamation of Ontario and Quebec because it used to be one big thing. And wow. yeah, we were we were still under the British rule at that point. But it used to be called Dominion Day because we were Dominion of the UK. But now it is Canada Day because we are free of those bastards. (laughs) 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 So happy Canada Day. It's all about barbecues and live music and painting your face red and white and and eating lobsters and ice cream. Oh, I can get down with with eating some ice cream. Yeah, totally. Uh, but we've got a we've got a great episode in honor of Canada Day today. Uh, we are going to talk about Canadian cryptids because we like weird. So monsters. excited! I'm so excited. I could do an entire separate podcast just on cryptozoology. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the variations of the cryptids too. Like yeah, hundred percent. Like we'll, we're going to be talking about some in Canada, but like. Some of the ones that we're talking about in Canada have also been seen in the U.S. Yeah, like thought to have been seen in the U.S. Maybe slightly different, but super cool. Yeah, it's it's all a version of folklore and oral history and and pers- people's like worst fears of things that go bump in the night. And I love it. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some cryptids that are specific to Canada. But before we get into that, Lindsay, how was your week? Oh, my week was actually pretty uneventful. I did play some Animal Crossing again this week, and our pal Kate came over to my island, and I got to go to to her island, so that was super fun. You had a listener, also friend, (laughs) but for the sake of the podcast, a listener visited your island. That's so cute. I love it. Yes. It was very cute. We like sat down next to each other and took pictures and explored. <laughs> visited the moon market and took home a mushroom. Aww. Super cute. That's awesome. Super cute. And she has one of those like super cute islands that I love where there's like a bunch of little things everywhere. Oh, nice. Okay. Very, very cute. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Kate also yeah, shared with us uh, this week that her cat Blake has um, has eaten an ant put it in its mouth it wasn't dead uh freaked out and spit it back out so uh, ants not (laughs) not popular with cats (laughs) maybe your cat's just smarter not cat food (laughs) (laughs) my my cat might be more of a dick than blake maybe (laughs) ants not cat food is going to end up on a tote at some point (laughs) i hope so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sweet. Well, speaking of cats, 
Uh, our cats were pretty boring this week. It was hot, and so they did a lot of laying around and being normal, grumpy creatures. But in honor of Canada Day, I thought I'd share because might be, I don't know, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But Canada has a couple of species of their own cats, I suppose. But there is one that is specifically named after Canada, and that is the Canadian lynx, uh, which is also found in the northern United States. Uh, but uh, the Canadian lynx is just slightly larger than a house cat, which I find freaking adorable. Because I'm going to describe the rest of it. But it's not that big. It's like the size. Some people are like, it's the size of a bobcat, which is also only slightly bigger than a house cat. But the lynx is even like a little bit shorter and squatter than that. And it's got long um, tufts off its cheeks and long black wisps off its ears. It looks like... How uh, how do I want to describe this? It's like a like a little gnome or pixie cat. Like I don't know. It looks like a mythical creature, uh, which is very <laughs> fitting for our cryptid episode. It has no tail. It's got a little bobtail. It's got really big feet, and they're kind of silvery gray colors. Uh, so they're they're also known as uh, the northern ghost. Uh, because they are very sneaky. They are very adept at hiding, both in the woods and in the snow. And uh, their main source of food are Arctic hares, um, or snowshoe hares specifically. And snowshoe hares are are brown (laughs) during the summer and white during the winter. Those fuckers. <laughs> and oh, like crazy. Yeah, they change their fur color according to what they're hiding around. And one of the reasons that they do that is because the the Canadian lynx and the snowshoe hares lives have become so intertwined and interdependent on each other that the lynx is specifically good at hunting the snowshoe hare. They can track it. They can see it. They can um, spring really far to be able to, like, grab a hold of it. They only need to eat one every, like, two to three days. But that's still a lot of snowshoe hares. But because the lynx has gotten so good at hunting them, the snowshoe hares have adapted this, like, change in coat color to get really good at hiding from them. So it's it's a really nice little symbiotic relationship they've got going on there. If I were to write a comic book about two like unlikely uh, animal buddies, it would be a Canadian lynx and a snowshoe hare, and they'd be crime fighters or something. <laughs> <laughs> I would read that comic. It would be adorable. Super I just I want to draw a Canadian lynx with like mutton chops and his little tufts sticking out of the fedora. <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> Sweet. So that's the Canadian um, lynx. <laughs> awesome. Do we um do we have a candle to light this week? We don't. We're still waiting um, for our shipment to come from Arizona. So, you know, everything is really slowing down. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, because of the spike in cases everywhere, not Massachusetts, I'm probably gonna put that in mail quarantine. So even when it does show yeah. up, I'm not rushing to open it up right away. On that person. <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. I, yeah. I think Arizona's not doing so great right now. I don't think most places are doing so great. Wear your damn masks, uh, people. Wear your masks. Yeah. 
If you'd like to, I don't know, you can send us a photo of yourself in a mask. Prove, uh, prove that you're one of the awesome and respectable folks out there. And show us a picture of you in your mask. Um, you can send us uh, an email, drop us a line, 5C2Ppod at Gmail or Instagram. And I know, I know, I've been slacking on the Instagram posting. I'll pick it back up. I am sorry. <laughs> but we will, we will have more posts coming up very soon. Coolio. Sweet. Well, we have uh, we have so many great things to share around our cryptids, our Canadian cryptids. But uh, we'll take a little break and we'll come right back and jump into it. So don't go anywhere. Yeah, totally. Well, let's see you in a sec, which is... I love oh, a good you. monster. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, before we get into things, uh, Canada has a lot of different cryptids, uh, but we've chosen four to focus on today. And I did want to mention, just in case you're like, what the fuck is a cryptid? Because, I don't know, maybe you're not at all, like super into weird monsters like we are. Uh, so cryptozoology is the study and search for animals, especially like legendary animals, like a Bigfoot or a mermaid, that kind of thing, um, basically to verify their existence. And it doesn't have to specifically be a legendary animal. It could be, uh, you know, like trying to find a liger in the wild before they knew ligers existed. Uh, less than, I think it's like less than 150 years ago, gorillas were actually thought to be legendary creatures because nobody had ever seen one in the wild. So cryptozoology, oh, wow. yeah, it's freaking weird when you go into it. But <laughs> so cryptozoology is the, is the study uh, and search for uh, animals that have are thought to exist but have never been verified or seen. And cryptids is a word that basically people that do that used to talk about like what the animal is. So we're going to talk about some Canadian legendary animals not verified to have existed but maybe exist maybe we'll, we'll let you form your own opinions <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm stoked <laughs> this first one um Lindsay, i have never heard of so when you like gave me a little list of like potential animals i was like i i have no clue what this next one is or what our first one is so yeah i mean this one it, it definitely could be a real animal that's just like kind of freakishly big who knows um so i want to talk a little bit about the wahila which is yeah wahila it's a a giant white wolf like huge who is uh it's about probably like four feet in height at the shoulder Ooh. which is quite a large and it's said to have characteristics of both like a wolf and a bear because its face is so broad. So its face like kind of looks like a bear face. So I, I guess it usually wanders in like the Northwest territories of Canada and Alaska. Although there have been reports of them being seen in like Northern Michigan and even Montana. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So some people think that they could be like, you know, somehow surviving direwolves or uh, these these other kind of like weird dogs called amphicyanids or bear dogs. 
um, both prehistoric animals. Uh, just because, like, of their sheer size, they're, like, they can't really explain it, or even, like, maybe some new breed of wolf. And then there's others who think that they could be, like, timber wolves or Mackenzie wolves, or even, like, from Inuit mythology, uh, Amaroks. But all of those three are, are, they're supposed to be more gray in color than white. So, who knows? I'm I'm immediately listen- imagining, like, a a polar bear wolf. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and I mean, that's what of, I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people say that they, they do kind of look like polar bears and they have these giant paws too. These like giant splayed out like fingers yeah. or toes. <laughs> what, I guess more toes on, on a wolf. <laughs> but like huge. I was listening to one account of a guy who thinks that he saw one and uh, he said that he put his entire hand down on a track and the paw was bigger than his hand. Sweet. Like an adult male hand. So gigantic dogs. Some people even call them like spirit dogs or ghost dogs. There were a couple of accounts that I was listening to where, you know, dudes would be or like, you know, a dude and another dude or just one dude would be, you know, out near the forest or whatever hunting and uh there would be this gigantic white wolf like kind of coming towards them and they shot at them so one guy was like you know i didn't want to kill it i don't hunt the animals he was like so i shot at it didn't affect it at all he was like it kept coming so i shot right at it he was like i know that i hit it this wolf turned around trotted into the forest he said he went over and looked at it, like at the spot, he was like, there was no blood. There was no sign that anything was there at all. Same thing with this other account I was listening to. This guy was like, I know that I hit it. He was like, I shot at it two or three times. I hit it at least twice. He was like, one time in its butt. Like, I know <laughs> I hit it. Wolf walked away like nothing had happened. So some people are, are saying that it's more maybe spirit. this dog isn't even real. Right. Like, maybe it's just, like, the spirit of a dire wolf or whatever. I I like that so much better that it combines weird monsters and ghost stories. I know. It's so crazy. So, but the Wahila, it, like, it has a favorite pastime. It has a hobby. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Not knitting, (laughs) I'm guessing. (laughs) No, it's not knitting. It's a favorite hobby is ripping people's heads off. Oh, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, and and specifically, this is probably the most famous, like, instance of what people believe are these Wahilas ripping people's heads off, but in the, uh, in the Nahani Valley, which has been, it's earned the nickname Valley of Headless Men, a surprising number of, like, people have been found without their heads there, just, like, ripped off. Yeah, that story I know. I didn't know it was related to the Wahila, though, but I, but I well, am aware of... It's Wahila. I fair. I am aware of uh, vaguely, I suppose, um, the that yeah. There's sort of like the the foot in uh, like the Mystic River, Charles River area, like every once in a while showing yeah. up. Uh, yeah, there there's been a surprising amount of decapitated bodies in this one valley over the years. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I think it started in like 1908, 1909. A couple of dudes up there like prospecting for gold. Um, were found without their heads and like the heads couldn't be found 
And then maybe like nine, 10 years later, there was another guy up there prospecting for gold. And he had like sent word to people, I found gold. And when he never came back, they went up there to find him and they found his remains in like his cabin or whatever without the head. But now this is where it gets a little fishy is that the cabin was burned down and he was inside the cabin. Uh, and I, I don't really see like Oahila setting fire to the cabin. Um, but then it happened again in like the 1940s. Like another dude was found without a head there. Yeah, I mean, the Let's... the true crime enthusiast in me assumes it was like a serial killer and then some sort of like copycat uh, because by then it was like, ooh, the Wahila did it. And it's like, well, shit, I killed yeah. this guy. If I just remove his head, they'll think the Wahila did it. <laughs> I mean, but... I like to think that it makes sense that the Wahila did it. Something similar happened to like three guys in northern Michigan, too, where Sweet. I think that they reported maybe seeing a Wahila and then they were found with without their heads too i would much rather that the wahila did it i feel like if, if the wahila did it no uh is the i was gonna say if the wahila did it then they deserved what they got but is the wahila uh like a benevolent malevolent like do you know if it's you know intentionally just like doing it for kicks and angry or well it might be hungry it didn't like i couldn't really find what they like to eat because nobody Heads. really knows if it's <laughs> <laughs> you know, a real thing. But I have to assume if the heads can't be found, then maybe they like eating the heads. And if you can, like, yes. if you're a giant wolf that can just, like, you know, lunge at somebody's throat and take their entire head off, a head is probably easier to carry away than an entire body. So, yeah, totally. if I were a Lahila, I'd eat the head. Absolutely. Especially if it has, like, wolf like bear jaws. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, not a ton on Wahila, but I I still think it's you know kind of kind of funny that that's what their favorite thing to do is. You're just, <laughs> just like, yeah, there's a head. I'm gonna rip it off. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I feel like with a lot of cryptids, not just Canadian cryptids, uh, that there's only a lot on them if people think they see it on a regular basis or you know there's a lot of stories around it. like the more people look for it the more they want to see it the more built up uh word of mouth stories there are around it like sasquatch is the big one kind of thing um uh, you know yeah. then like then there it's there's all kinds of stuff you can go out and find but some of these like lesser known ones um you know they're they're a little bit more tricky to research but I'm glad you found some stuff on the Wahila because, again, I had never heard of that. I, odd, odd that I've heard of a valley of headless men, but not a Wahila. <laughs> yeah, they're said to roam near there, I guess. I enjoy, the, I enjoy the idea of a giant Canadian werewolf monster basically, like, cracking dudes open like they're beer cans. <laughs> 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 so so funny enough uh one of the uh one of the monsters that i researched is actually uh, a canadian werewolf uh so Ooh. yeah so i'm gonna stay right on that wolf vein for a hot second yeah <laughs> uh, so we've got our second canadian cryptid um comes from quebec and it is the loup-garou and 
everyone that listens to me from Quebec is going to be like, oh, no, because my French is not great. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) But um, I've really enjoyed it. I think I've read more French in the last uh, two days than I have since high school. So um, bear with me here. I want to do my very best um, to go through this. But uh, Lugaru is a werewolf, essentially, and it comes from uh, France. So it's like werewolves were really big in france really big uh from like the 1400s on did it like hop on a boat to canada yes oh my goodness (laughs) it came on a ship (laughs) to atlantic canada and quebec uh but yes uh that's how they think it got there but really what happened was uh, you know, if you believe that there is an actual werewolf running around, then that's what happened. Now, if you believe in the power of folklore and common mythology, then what happened is a whole bunch of French people moved from France to Canada and brought their stories with them. <laughs> so werewolves, are, like, again, this was like the height of werewolfdom in France when people moved to Canada. Uh, it wasn't even Canada then. It was just like it was new France at that point. And they brought all their stories with them. Ah. Um, but Lou is uh, French for wolf. And Garou is Frankish for man or man shifter or man who transforms into animal. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. So Lou Garou's werewolf. Uh, but the, the cool thing about this is uh, werewolf doesn't necessarily in this case mean wolf. So... Um, through a lot of oral traditions, it is most commonly a wolf, but specific to the Lugaru in Quebec, it could have also been a dog, a cat, an owl, a cow, or a werepig. There oh, were st- wow. Yeah. <laughs> there were stories about all of them. And uh, the thought is that a person would become cursed if they missed seven straight years in a row of their Easter duties. Now, what an Easter duty is, I'm not entirely sure. But essentially, if you didn't re- like repent seven years in a row, you would be cursed and you could turn into a Lugaru. And the most common form of this was like a bipedal werewolf, like what we normally think of with either glowing red or yellow eyes. Uh, they ne- leave no footprints. That's a common thing. No matter what the animal, they don't leave any footprints. Some say oh, that they wow. have, you know, that's how it's a lugaru is they have a white spot in the middle of their forehead. And unlike a common werewolf, they don't always just transform during the full moon. So there are lots of little stories about full moon lugaru, but there's also... Uh, the more common tradition in Quebec that they can transform every night up to a maximum of 101 nights in a row as part of their curse, unless the curse, unless unless they are killed or the curse is broken. So unlike a werewolf that only transforms in the full moon, basically it gets dark and these dudes change or women. Most, all the stories that I found were men, but I don't think there was anything that said it had to be a man. So, you mentioned like killing a werewolf. So yes. are they like like a werewolf? And and what I recall from like killing a werewolf is that it has to be done by like a silver bullet. Is that the same for a Lugaru? Not even close. <laughs> oh, it's way more ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so so oddly enough, the purpose of um, 
the purpose of killing a Lugaru isn't to actually kill the creature. Uh, it's to transform them back into their human form and break the curse. So you oh. quote unquote kill them by transforming them back into a man and breaking the curse. And the so way you're like killing the monster and exactly, exactly. So the way that you do this, um, most common one that I saw was to draw blood. Period. Just draw blood. You can like oh. prick its finger or shoot it or whatever. Like as long as you draw blood. Uh, the other two are tied to that, but more ridiculous. Uh, there's you could throw a good luck charm at them and if you hit a good luck charm in the white spot in their face like between their eyes you'll break the curse oh that and, seems a little harder <laughs> yeah that seems very <laughs> very specific um and then my favorite <laughs> is cut off its ear oh <laughs> so nimbus could have been a lugaru <laughs> yeah yeah you cut that off also its ear seems hard. like I don't think I would want to get close enough to a Lugaru to cut off its ear because I'd be afraid it would, like, eat me. Fair. Yeah. Uh, I've got some cool little, like, short folklore stories I'll share in a sec. But th th that's sort of the <laughs> – that's the main thought. People are like, oh, I'll cut off its ear because that's the common way to, like, kill – quote, unquote, kill oh a Lugaru. And nobody manages to do it in any of these stories. <laughs> Can I walk this back? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just – Oh, the fact that they could be a cow, aware cow situation. Yes. <laughs> Where's that movie? <laughs> a were cow? That's fantastic. Like yep. a vegetarian werewolf situation? No, no. They so if you uh, well, I guess I don't know for sure if they're uh, the the werewolf version um, either attack people or sheep um, or deer. Like so, they're carnivorous. But I don't. I guess I don't know if the were cow. I love it. Uh, would be carnivorous or not? I'd love. I'd like it to be a carnivorous cow. <laughs> Take my money, Hollywood. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> so, so sightings of Lugaru in Quebec go back as early as the 1600s, when Quebec was still New France. But um, shortly after, a few years after, basically there was a big battle. Um, this is your history, like Canada history lesson. There's a battle in the Plains of Abraham, uh, where I. Uh, basically like British and French fought over who was going to control what part of Ontario and what part of Quebec and the British won, so the French were sulky. And, uh, shortly after this, when they were like, quote unquote, licking their wounds, I'm sure that the people of Quebec do not feel that way, but, uh, that's the way it was written down. And I found that cute. Um, when they were licking their wounds, it was, um, actually documented in, freaking newspapers not in a tabloid not in like the sun in like in the gazette de quebec the quebec newspaper there were multiple articles like this is everything somebody understands <laughs> that there was <clears throat> excuse me there was a lugaru on the loose uh, and that it was commonly uh, seen first as a beggar and then later that night it would go about and kill peep and peep peep yeah sheep and attack people and terrorize towns uh, and it was my favorite was it's making its way towards montreal <laughs> um, oh. so they were even tracking like what was happening what was likely happening was a pack of wolves are probably moving through the area but uh they yeah they said that they had one article quoted that they had dogs attack it and that it took took a tremendous blow to the head and it was finished. But three days later, there was another article that was like, nope, it's back kind of thing. So yeah, uh, it was 
recorded. You can go online and look up the articles from um, 19, sorry, 19, shoot, 1766 and 1767 and read all about the werewolf in an actual newspaper like this is fact. And nobody blinked an eye. And I freaking love that so much. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look up that article for sure. Because I want to know how long it took the Ligaru to get from wherever it was to Quebec. Like, how fast is it? Oh, I, I guess it... Uh, I don't know that. Fair. I don't think it really... Uh, I don't think it really does a good job of being like, it started here. Because it's a lot of, it started in a small town outside of Quebec City kind of thing. And then it's moving towards Montreal. And so, you know, by car now, oh, that's, you know, yeah. that's several hours drive. But, you know, it's it's several days, I suppose, by <laughs> by werewolf steps. If it was a cow, it moves four <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is because these, these folks are beggars or people during the day. And then they're... Lugaroos at night, but they're hunting at night as well. So yeah, big ordeal, big newspaper but if worthy it's a ordeal. Bloodthirsty cow. Oh, yeah. it might be moving faster. <laughs> I would cry and, and, and flee. <laughs> I think uh, we would all cry a little. <laughs> uh, there's also you can look online. There's uh, a bunch of like well documented little stories about this. There's one about a. Uh, a uh, man whose wife is sick and he takes a sleigh ride to visit the priest and encounters a lugaru. There's another one, a very famous one, about um, a, a miller uh, who hires somebody like off the street, essentially. A stranger shows up at his door and the miller hires him to work in the mill. And lo and behold, the stranger named Hubert is a werewolf. Uh, but my favorite was uh, probably the most common and it's very short, but essentially this the the beats is lo and behold, a man named Hubert, uh Andre and Leo. Uh so uh Hubert and uh Andre are friends. Hubert is Andre's mentor, and they are all going hunting, and they meet Leo uh in the woods as a stranger. And while they're all camping down for the night, uh, basically, Andre says, you know, I've heard there's a Lugaru in the woods. And Hubert says, well, that's silly, but if you encounter one, uh, you can use this good luck charm. Throw it at the white spot between their eyes. And that will, like, draw blood and that will kill them. And so Andre says, you know, cool, going to sleep. Leo goes to sleep. In the middle of the night, Andre wakes up, he hears a noise. Hubert is getting up, and he sees not Hubert, but he sees a werewolf, a lugaru, walk into the woods. And then there's something about finding a, a deer later on. There's no tracks around it. Um, because basically in the middle of the night, Andre is like, Leo, what's going Like, this is fucking weird. Something's up. Uh, and they, they end up, long story short, uh, Andre and Leo are tag-teaming, essentially, against Hubert. And Andre does indeed throw the good luck charm at, at Hubert and hits him between the eyes and uh, and kills him. And so that's where that particular... Throw a charm like, at the spot between the eyes and you can kill a werewolf. But I like that... Like so they, did... they, This particular story was cute for two reasons because 
it's the second time Hubert is a werewolf in folklore, and uh, they set it up as though Leo is the stranger, and you sort of automatically think, oh, the stranger must be the werewolf, and then it's not. It's the mentor. So Hubert gave Andre the good luck charm. Yes. So it sounds like Hubert didn't know that he was Luguru. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know, or maybe he wanted to break the curse. Oh, yeah, And was like, my, maybe my buddy will actually finally break the curse. I don't know. Yay! Yeah. yeah. So, That's a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> like a happy ending. So, Luguru <laughs> taken very seriously in Quebec. And uh, what I find interesting is uh, there are stories of uh, Luguru in, um, in Louisiana, where a lot of French folks migrated when Canada was pretty racist mm-hmm. towards them. And uh, as well as as the eastern shores of Nova Scotia. So in the valley region in Nova Scotia is also where French Canadians settled as the Acadians, which is where they then, a lot of them went down to Louisiana. But uh, there are some more recent stories of werewolf sightings uh, in that area of Nova Scotia, not specifically called Alugaru, but very similar um, tr- trackless werewolves with glowing yellow eyes that feast upon deer. Though the most recent story of somebody um, sharing that, I think it was in, I want to say in 2015, it was pretty recent. And the gentleman who shared the story quickly recounted once it started to gain popularity with, well, I had been drinking that night before I drove home, so I could have hallucinated the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> What was I mean, he drinking? I don't know. I've never really hallucinated. Yeah, seriously. I've never hallucinated while drinking. <laughs> I don't know. Absence, I guess. You know, all that wormwood. I mean, maybe. So, yeah. Rich history of uh, of wolf-like cryptids in, in Canada. But we've got two more for you. Two more. We'll we'll be right back. We'll take a little break and we'll be right back to chat about, uh, I think it's Wendigo and Ogopogo. Yeah, dude. We have the best names. (laughs) Totally. See you so, so soon, witches. Welcome back! Hi! <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I need to, like, sing it out. Yeah, that's how the hello started. It just sounds better. It feels good. It feels good to do it. <laughs> it does feel good. I love it. It's time for a couple more Canadian cryptids. Yay! I'm super psyched. I'm, I'm super psyched about these next two. So the one that I've got going on for this round of Canadian cryptids is the Wendigo. The Wendigo. Wendigo. That's a popular one. Wendigo. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So the Wendigo is an evil spirit of First Nations uh, Algonquin legend. I said it right, I think. You sure did. <laughs> I did. I almost said it wrong. I've been, like, try- practicing in my brain. First Nations Algonquin legend. And I'm not sure how long this evil spirit existed before it took on, like, a physical form. 
But the legend goes that the first physical Wendigo was once a lost hunter. And this hunter, during a brutally cold winter, he was so hungry. And this intense hunger drove him to cannibalism. Oh, shit. Like, yeah, he couldn't find anything to eat. So he ate a person. So after this human feast of his, he transformed into this crazed, flesh-hungry beast and then roamed the forest in search of more people. And apparently still does to this day. So appearance-wise, people say like almost 15 feet tall. Like real big. Yeah, Wendigos are big fuckers. (laughs) Yeah, like super, super tall um like emaciated looking so like skeleton like in appearance uh, skin pulled tightly over its bones i've heard a couple of different stories of like the color of the skin most of most of them say like kind of like ash gray some mm-hmm. of them say like rotting rotting yellowy sort oh, of skin cool but mostly ash gray and the eyes are set like super deep inside its sockets and it has like bloody and tattered lips and like pussy sores on its body. Yikes. It's super, super gross looking dirty. And uh, some, some people say that it has like antlers. Yes. Not all of the accounts say that it has antlers, but um, a lot of the imagery has, it'll have antlers on it too. Cool. Yeah. I was wondering if you had found that because I always grew up with the image of the Wendigo being like, in my head, I always put deer antlers on it, but it was had sort of like this yeah. elongated, like gnarly, skeletal deer face with like really because deer skulls have really deep eye sockets, so that's it. Ha- basically, had like yeah. a deer skull for a head with the antlers, and was this like big, emaciated, sort of gray, stalking animal that had like in my head, I always had it with like long clawed fingers, but. Yeah, the verbal accounts of it that I found, um, it didn't say really like deer face, but the like visual images that I saw, they, it definitely had kind of like a deer face. Cool. And yeah, totally emaciated, um, super gross looking, and, and large. So some people say that it's like unusually fast to like, you know, I don't know, catch people and eat them. Um, and then some people say that it's 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 almost kind of like lurchy in its movement, like oh, cool, like kind of slow and haggard, and it looks like it's about to fall apart as it's moving. But the thing is, is that it doesn't need speed to catch you. How, how does it catch you then? It gets in your head. Oh, it can shit. like possess you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is my new favorite monster. Yeah, so. <laughs> It can possess you, but it can also mimic human voices to, like, lure you away from civilization. So it can, like, if you That's were, like, camping, anyway. and like, call you away and then and then get in your head and yeah. fuck you up and then toy with you and eat you. Yeah, like, you're, like, tripping out and you hear somebody calling for help in the woods or something. Could be a Wendigo. Don't go there. Don't oh, man. It. Or at least don't go by yourself. That's like, awesome. Like, for fuck's sake. never walk into the woods alone by yourself period (laughs) like don't just go wandering in the woods alone (laughs) just don't do it 
it's not a good idea, especially not in Canada. And it looks like really, <laughs> really cold weather too. So most of the sightings are like in the winter. It likes for rigid temperatures. So, Canada yeah, has plenty camping, of that. <laughs> yeah, if you're camping in Canada in the winter, maybe think about it again and go in the summer. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a lot, fair amount of like, like hunting, you know, caribou and that sort of like hunting's done, you know, during the winter, as is ice fishing and that sort of thing. So, you know, Canada isn't the oh, yeah. frozen like wasteland that I think a lot of people think it is, but it gets real it fucking is. cold in the winter. And, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are much like, um, much like Alaska or Northern Russia or that sort of thing, you know, you get a, a certain distance towards the North Pole and yeah, the Yukon and Northwest Territories um, and Nunavut are all very fucking cold. They're not cold, 100% cold all year round, but there's plenty of land for a Wendigo to be hiding. Yeah, that's where they like. They like they want it cold and they want to be able to hide, I think. Although, like, I kind of think that they don't care much about hiding. They, what, what are they like, going to hide from? Like, they want, can you kill it? They want to eat you. I don't know. I haven't heard of anybody killing one. I like. I I, I looked and nobody's killed one as far as I know. I, don't know. I feel like being sort of like a an evil spirit mixed with you know a crazed monster. It would just like disappear and then reappear somewhere else. But I have no proof. Yeah. Of that. That's what I would. If I were writing a story or a horror movie with this, that's what I would do. Oh, speaking of that, yeah. if I could, if I could jump in, Lindsay, uh, did yeah, you, yeah. do you know the famous example of Wendigo in like horror fiction? Um, not have, in horror fiction. Have you guys ever seen no. the films uh, by Stephen King, Pet Cemetery? Yes. Oh yeah. So the book that King wrote has a huge Wendigo plot line. Oh, really? That has been cut out of every film adaptation of those oh, films. Oh, man. Right? That's oh, such a now bummer. I have the book. The yeah, bo- same. Pet, Pet Cemetery is a is a is a nasty bit of work, my Cuz I actually friend. I actually like the movies. I know that's <laughs> that's a hot take, but I actually like the movies. So, yeah, I had definitely got to read that book now. Mhm. Yeah, fucking Wendigos, man. I and it's Dude. always kind of bummed me out because um, I wouldn't say since I moved to the U.S., but I have often heard mistakenly people say uh, that you know Canada's got Sasquatch too. They've got the Wendigo, and the Wendigo is not a fucking Sasquatch. And I don't know how many times I've tried to explain this oh, to no. people and be like, "Not the same thing, man. So much worse." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's totally <laughs> different. I mean, appear like. If, even if you're just going on appearance, nothing like the Sasquatch. Nothing. But the scary thing is that anybody, apparently, can become a Wendigo. Anybody. If you eat a person? And yes. So oh. either by succumbing to cannibalism or by being turned by a Wendigo. Oh, and shit. That's like so they can like make more friends. You. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they don't really have friends. And it seems sort of counterintuitive for me to me because... Like, if you were going to turn something else, somebody else into a Wendigo, then that would mean fewer people for you to eat. But who am I? Not a Wendigo. That's for sure. (laughs) Maybe it's flirting with, like, some sort of vampiric situation where vampires, some people are food and some people they turn. 
that's legit. I was thinking more well, of like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. There should always be a Wendigo. So turning someone else is like transferring their own spirit into a new vessel kind of thing. Ooh, I like that. I mean, yeah, kind of, because it is supposed to be an evil spirit. And like the way that things are written, it sounds like the spirit existed before the physical Wendigo or before the first like reported physical Wendigo yep. legend. Um, but that being said, if it is a spirit, then you would think that it would be able to survive outside of a human host if it had been around for that long. I, I suspect likely it before. can <laughs> in this world where it exists. I totally. I also think it's cool that uh, this is to me because I like to also put a practical side to some of these types of things. So I feel like this is a really cool cautionary tale of like somebody truly got lost while hunting resorted to cannibalism and when you are like when you eat a person it fucks with your brain and i think that like somebody did this and they went a little batshit and were probably cast off from their tribal unit or family or whatever and yeah and then it was like watch out for watch out for tom he's crazy and out in the woods he'll get you if he catches you he'll eat you absolutely absolutely and there is actually a thing called wendigo psychosis which is it's a localized like culture bound syndrome meaning that it's it only affects people in a certain area like it's a, it's an endemic Ooh. um yeah so like most of the sightings or like occurrences happened between like the 1800s and the 1920s although in the 1960s there were 70 reported cases, Holy cases which is insane to me but like as far as it being a culture bound syndrome probably like one of the more famous cases of it was uh with this dude swift runner and that's like his english name he has another name that i didn't write down because I knew I wasn't going to be able to say it. But he's known as, as Swift Runner. And this dude's from, like, the story dates back to, like, 1878, 1879. So he was a First Nations Cree man who, during the winter of 1878, 1879, he and his family were going hungry, apparently. So his, his he had six kids and a wife. His oldest son died of starvation. And then this dude, uh, Swift Runner, he he then killed the rest of his family and ate them. Oh, shit. He just killed the rest of them? I was like, and then he ate the dude yeah. and served it to his family, and they all became Wendigos. <laughs> like, no, 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 he just he, went fucking killed, crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> he went crazy. He went fucking crazy. He, he may have eaten his oldest son, and maybe that's when the, like, Wendigo psychosis started happening. Um, but he got caught because he, like, stumbled out of the woods and, and ran across this Catholic mission. And the, this Catholic priest was like, hey, man, you okay? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming to the woods with so, me. <laughs> so, well, he did actually try to lure a group of children into the woods, too. Oh, Jesus. Like, crazy. <laughs> I don't know when on this timeline that happened, but he did. Um, so like he, he tells this priest, he's like, oh, my whole family is dead. So they like 
they get him to like bring him back there or like bring them to wherever his family was living and they see uh i think that they may have reported it to whoever the authority was at that point because they were like this dude's weird so they like the authorities go and they he like eventually leads them to where they were living and they find like piles and piles of bones and like some of the bones were broken in half and it looked like somebody had broken them in half to suck the marrow out of them well that's the tasty bit so they, yeah so they find this and and they're like holy shit this guy like ate his family and it was it was only after that that he was like he was like uh, i'm i'm possessed by a wendigo oh man that's yeah, that's what they call Wendigo psychosis, <laughs> which is it's described by psychiatrists um, as as having symptoms of an uncontrollable craving to eat human flesh, but and also the fear of turning into a Wendigo. So cool! That's so cool. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, very very yeah. cool. Well, yeah. Wendigos are fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> they are so scary. Oh, so scary. Well, we'll end on a slightly lighter note then, <laughs> because yeah. uh, we've got one more cryptid for you, and that is the Ogopogo. I just like saying it, Ogopogo. Uh, but Ogopogo. I'm going <laughs> to preface this with, uh, so the Ogopogo is a lake monster that lives in Lake Okanagan, um, which is in British Columbia in the no Okanagan Valley near Kelowna. And uh, there are... so. Canada, Canada doesn't have a great history of treating its First Nations people with a lot of dignity or respect. Um, so there are a shit ton of uh, different First Nations people that live in the Okanagan Valley. But for forever, they were just referred to as the Okanagans, even though they were like 15 different tribes. Um, and 15 different like little mini nations. They're just the Okanagans. So... Uh, this uh, this monster actually has a uh, Okanagan or specifically a uh, Sejilks name, which I'm going to say once, and then I'm probably going to stick with Ogopogo because I am <laughs> that person um, and I can't pronounce a lot of uh, tricky words. But uh, the yeah, this monster is a lake monster. It lives in Lake Okanagan. It's a very old monster, kind of like the Wendigo um, and like Lugaru. Like you know these things. Like actually, like all four of these. These come from um, long, deep-seated uh, oral traditions, and um, this is also uh, originated as a spirit. So. Um, the Shizilks people believed in a water spirit, and uh, they named it the uh, Naha'aik, uh, and that water spirit uh, protected Lake Okanagan. And it was very feared and very respected, but it was not malevolent. Now, if you look up uh, the Ogopogo on Wikipedia, it says that it's an evil water spirit. That's incorrect. Uh, somebody should update that. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but essentially, you know, the Nahaikt was a water spirit and uh, the people in that area would make small offerings to it to, uh, to keep it happy, to show it respect uh, and to be able to cross the lake. So in this area of the Okanagan Valley, um, if you're not familiar, there are deep fjord style lakes, like 10,000 year old glacier lakes. And they're very deep and they're pretty wide. Uh, and people would try and cross them on a pretty regular basis. And how you would do this is you would hop in your canoe 
and then you would tie your horses behind you. So you would canoe along and your horses would swim because horses can swim. Uh, and you could stop sometimes in the, not necessarily the middle of the lake, but the lake, uh, lakes have islands in that area. So as you would go by the Rattlesnake Island, um, which is a large island in the uh, Okanagan Lake, then you can um, either stop there to rest, but most folks would actually offer a small animal to say, hey, eat this small animal out of respect and thanks for allowing me my safe, safe crossing. Don't eat my horses. Because it was believed, oh, that's fair. yeah, it was believed that Nahaikt lived under the island in a like deep lake cave. Aww. cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in uh, in 1855 was when the first actual sighting of the monster occurred. So before that, it was just always oh. sort of believed that. You know, there was this water spirit. Nahaikt like, lived in the lake, and you just paid respect to the water spirit. And being a fjordal lake um, with mountains surrounding it, the, the weather can change on this lake. Very much like the Great Lakes, the weather can change at the drop of a hat. So it can go from a perfectly calm to, like, drown you in your canoe storm um, on the lake really quickly. So they would say, like, that was Nahaikt, like, whipping his tail around to stir up the lake. Um, but essentially, in 1855, there was a Métis settler uh, named John McDougall, and he said that he saw uh, the, the actual monster. That the, like, it wasn't just a spirit. He saw a monster because he didn't pay tribute, and there was a sudden storm, and it pulled his horses under, and it would have drowned him too, uh, except he cut the line to the horses. Whoa. Now... That's often not recorded as the first sighting. That was in 1855. And because because white people tend to be dicks, uh, the first formal recorded sighting is often quoted as Susan Allison uh, in 1872, who was a white lady, uh, because John McDougall was Métis. Uh, so they were like, ah, whatever. <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, so uh susan allison said she saw a like a 10 to 20 meter long serpent-like creature that was moving through the water cresting the water had a broad ram-like head kind of thing so it looks like your typical like snake-like water monster there's some cool drawings of it online that date back to the like late 1800s um and it's very sort of loch ness adjacent it's uh, very like long and serpentine, and it has some people say it has flippers or fins, and some people say it has a big like wide ram like head, and other people say it has more of like a dragon's head. Uh, so uh, people have seen it, but nobody has a good shot of its head apparently because that seems to be the most up for debate. <laughs> now those sightings were back in 1855, 1872. The most recent sighting of Nahikt or Ogopogo, as it later became known. Was last June, so June two thousand and nineteen. Uh, this this liquor store owner uh, in from Kelowna, I think, uh, took a about a twenty second video of it, uh, and I've watched the video. There's actually quite a few videos online. Um, they all look kind of similar. It looks weird. It's a like a it's calm lake, and there's a weird wave. Um, but you know, I didn't actually see personally. I didn't see a monster there. I just saw a weird wave. 
but wow. there are still That's a bummer. yeah, there are still like frequent <laughs> sightings of uh, of this monster. So, um, as I mentioned, you know, originally it was called Naha Ikt as the water spirit, but it became known as Ogopogo. In now, stories vary, but essentially. One of three things happened, and it all revolves around the same idea. Either there was a town-wide meeting, like a town hall kind of thing, or somebody overheard it at a dance hall, or like a local like poet just made it up. Uh, but essentially, there was a little like a little song that was made up. It doesn't mean anything, but the verse was. Uh, and it's sort of like a parody, parodies like a prop, uh, popular British uh, folk song, a little like British ditty. And uh, the words were, his mother was an earwig, his father was a whale, a little bit of head and hardly any tail, and Ogopogo was its name. And wh- wherever it was heard, one of those three locations, basically the town just said, cool, we'll call it Ogopogo. That's great. That's so much easier to say than Nahaikt. So so they just named it Ogopogo. It means nothing. And it's just, it's like Puff the Magic Dragon. Like its name is Ogopogo. They might as well have named it Bob. (laughs) It sounds cool and means nothing. Yeah, I'm surprised it means nothing because it definitely sounds like it should mean something, you know, Ogopogo. A hundred percent. Nope. And it's one of those, um, (laughs) what's the word when it's like race cars, the same front and back? I I can't remember. Palindrome? Yeah, palindrome. Thank you. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, cool. It's a palindrome and it sounds fun and people will come to see Ogopogo. They won't come to see Naha Ikt. We can't make any money off of that. We can make money off of our cute little lake monster Ogopogo. And they wanted to capitalize because around the same time, people were making money off of tourism of Loch Ness. Oh, yeah. So. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, so the Ogopogo Lake Monster, um, you know, is still apparently swimming around Lake Okanagan. Uh, if you go and hang out there long enough, you, I bet you'd be able to, like, see something kind of weird. A, sh- a shadow in the water, some weird waves uh, that... The lake still goes from placidly calm to random waves. But what it likely is, and there are um, very dedicated cryptozoologists that have looked at the video I just mentioned that was taken last year and others, and they tend to agree that it is either a log because it's a big forestry town. There's about 15,000 logs floating in the lake at any given time, usually all pinned up, but sometimes they break free, and then they get a little rotted, and then they half-submerge. So it's either a log (laughs) or otters, because the lake has a lot of otters, and apparently when otters swim together, they swim in a straight line. So when you see, like, some of the videos look like little humps, and it's like one, two, three, four, five, like little wave humps. And, it's, and so people are like, yeah, it's five otters swimming in a row. Um, or uh, it is lake turnover. So the lake being so deep that when the water warms up in the summer, there will be pockets of cold water that warm very quickly and then rise to the surface. And it will make these little like flip waves out of nowhere. And it's just the, the temperature uh, in the lake changing. But uh, back in the 80s, I think 1980, 1982, uh, there was a big rush to find it. There was a bunch of, like, Leonard Nimoy even, like, did a voiceover for the History Channel on it. 
Um, and there's, so there's a big rush to find Ogopogo. And uh, somebody like took a video that people were like really convinced. So the, there was like a prize out to catch it and get like definitive evidence to the point that Greenpeace had it put on the list of endangered species so that if it was real, it could only be captured and not killed. So if you do go, <laughs> if you do go to Lake Okanagan and you find yourself an Ogopogo, you cannot kill it. You can only capture it. So says Greenpeace. And that was made an official, an official law in 1980. All I can see in my head is like a bunch of people running for the lake with their like pitchforks and torches. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like, this was 1980s. So I feel like it was a bunch of like speedboats, canoes and cameras. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't even probably. cell phones <laughs> but yeah uh it's it's still a pretty like popular one it's you know it's a big tourist attraction there's a lot of folk art of it in that area there's beers named after it um but yeah the name itself means nothing it's all based around um this malevolent water spirit um of of the the first nations in that area and don't piss it off or it might eat your horse yeah, and bring it an animal to eat. <laughs> yeah, 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 bring it a tiny, bring it, bring it a tiny animal to eat, <laughs> or a hot dog. <laughs> a tiny one. Oh yeah, I could do a hot dog. <laughs> maybe it likes hot dogs. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. maybe maybe it would like a veggie dog. <laughs> so, uh, Ogopogo, Wendigos, uh, Lugaroos, and what? Oh gosh, I'm gonna butcher this last one. Wahilia. Wa Wah. Do it. Wah. Wahila. Wahila. <laughs> Wahila. Uh, are only four of many cryptids uh, that Canada possesses. We are a rich and vibrant nation of ridiculous possible animals, uh, mostly because we have a really diverse and an awesome background of First Nations individuals that we've stolen all of their cool ideas and turned them into folklore. But... But yeah, I look forward to doing more uh, on cryptids in the future, whether it's Canadian cryptids or not. Yeah, dude, totally. There's so many and they're so, so they're cool. So, I wish that I so could have fun. been like a cryptid in a past life. That awesome. <laughs> what if you could be a cryptid, what cryptid would you be? I don't know, dude. Like, honestly, there's, there's so many. I'll throw a few out there. Like, the first thing that came to my head would be like mermaid, but not little mermaid, mermaid, like scary mermaid with, with scary teeth those kind like the kind that are gonna fuck you up or maybe like a dragon would be kind of cool i just like roast people with my fire breath <laughs> um but really like if i were running around like now being a cryptid i think i might want to be a chupacabra Ooh, that's a good one yeah they're scary sweet well we'll hang on to that for <laughs> for a future episode we won't give up the ghost on that one mm -hmm. Ronnie, what are you? Yeah. What, would you what be? about you? Um, I was yeah. also. I would also like to be, you know, a flesh-eating, sailor-loring and drowning mermaid. But I think a jackalope would be pretty cool. Ooh, fun. yeah. yeah. Or so a mothman. I don't know. I just. I guess there's there's, <laughs> there's so many that I like versus so many I'd want to be. I don't know. From the sounds of things, I think it sounds pretty fun to be an Ogopogo, but. You swim around a lake all day. It's pretty nice in the Okanagan Valley. I live under an island, have my own cave. It'd be pretty dope. 
People bring you small animal yeah. presents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I get mad, I just whip my tail around and eat a horse. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, well, what about you, Dan? <laughs> old engineer Dan would crack open the monster manual for Dungeons and Dragons, flip to the O section, and go grab an owl bear, where the bear part Ooh. of me is a panda, and the owl part of me <laughs> is actually a penguin. No. <laughs> I'd be a penguin panda. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very <Aww>. nice. <laughs> I like it. Very cute. One of those penguins, like the macaroon penguins with the eyebrows. I love those guys. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's macaroon. Mark. I'm I'm positive it isn't a macaroon. (laughs) Good. I wasn't. (laughs) But I was close. I was close enough to where you guys knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. There's only one penguin with eyebrows. (laughs) Eyebrow penguin. Awesome. Well, I feel like this is a great opportunity to uh, to call out for fan art. If you're artistic and want to draw us as some cryptids, that would be fucking dope. But uh, cause I know what I want to do later today. Uh, but that being said, uh, we will be right back and then we'll say goodbye. So hang on just a second more. We'll be right back with you. Totally. See you soon, which is. All right, we are back. Cryptids were fucking fun, but it is Canada Day, so I thought I would give Engineer Dan and you, Lindsay, an opportunity to ask a Canadian. And you can ask me, uh, ask me a dying, burning question you've always wanted to know about Canada. I'll do my very best to answer. Hopefully, it's something that the listeners are also dying to know. Sweet. Yeah. Lindsay, you want to go first? You want me to bang one out? You bang one out first. I, I, have a burning, yeah. I have a burning question, Lindsay, for Veronica. Veronica. Yes. Uh, I believe the lore is that the pizza style, the Hawaiian pizza. Yes. Was invented by a Canadian. Yes. Do you celebrate that Canadian person <laughs> the way that people from my <laughs> home state of Maine celebrate the invention of earmuffs? That's with a parade and all that shit. Oh, you know, I bet wherever that individual is from. uh, Toronto. Okay. Well, yeah, I was going to. Yeah. I I don't want to say that there's like a Hawaiian pizza festival in Toronto. If if they were not from a major metropolitan city, they were from like a small town. You bet your bottoms that like we would have definitely had a, a parade and a festival because we like that sort of kitschy shit in small towns. But I don't know if Toronto has a Hawaiian pizza day. Now, um, I'm pro Hawaiian pizza. It's where, where delicious. Do you, you, so you're pro as well. Lin- <laughs> yes. Lindsay, how this do you feel favorite. about that? <laughs> I don't eat ham. So, but back uh, when you did. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't eat it. But you, um, but you have like, had Hawaiian it pizza. Jam. It wasn't your thing. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I had. A lot of people uh, don't like yeah, pineapple like the, on the their sweet, pizza. but Not for me. I don't like yeah. sardines on mine. So, you know, I get it. But, yeah, a little sweet, a little salty. In Canada, sometimes we put bacon bits on there, too. It's a bridge too far, but... Lindsay, Lindsay, what do you got? Okay, okay. This is so. This isn't really a question about Canada, but it it has it's a little to do with Canada. My question is for us: Will you sing, Oh Canada? 
God damn it. <laughs> the national anthem? Do I have to, I'll stand. I'll uh, yeah. stand. I'll stand. You got to stand while you say, oh, I'm not prepared to stand. Listeners, everybody stand. <laughs> uh, okay, give me a second to adjust my mic. I'll stand because you do have to stand for the singing of the national anthem. And I'm, I've got a couple of. Uh, there. Sort of standing. Nope. You wanna, do you want us? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't stand it. and sing. But yeah. So <laughs> I will sing. I will happily sing the first version. My mic won't go all the way up to me standing. So I guess I'll have to sit right here. The first version or the first, <laughs> first verse? Sorry, first. First verse. So a couple yeah, of yeah. things about our national anthem. One is fucking baller. Two, it has a French version because we have two national languages. I'm only going to sing the English one because it's been years since I sang the French one, let alone the English version. Um, three, it's better than the American ones, both of yours. And uh, we only have one. You both have, of ours. yeah. You we also got one. that stupid one about your flag. Um, Ugh. <laughs> and uh, Rush was overrated. <laughs> oh, I completely agree. And uh, the biggest one is that there is a verse where uh, it says, "Ba Let me think here. How does it go? There is a. Uh, Oh, so in the like first stanza, essentially, there is a verse where it used to say true patriot love and all your sons command. And we changed the words because that was a little it was a little sexist. So now we have uh, we have women in the military as well. So our military will let whoever wants to be in the military in the military. So uh, now it says uh, true patriot love in all of us command. We took the suns out. That's better. It still yeah. flows. Still yeah, flows. I like yeah. All right. <clears throat> I can't sing very well, so sorry, listeners. That's okay. And a one. And a two. <laughs> oh, Canada, our home and native land. Mm. True patriot love in all of us command. With glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north strong and free. From far and wide, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God keep our land. Okay, I don't like the religion part. Glorious and free. <laughs> oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Oh, Canada, oh, Canada. we stand we on stand guard for thee. Okay, I'm editing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Beautiful voice of a nightingale. <laughs> it's it's not an easy song to sing, and I don't sing very well at all. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Canada Day, witches! You did great. You did great. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> well, Happy Canada Day to all uh, all of our listeners celebrating today. Uh, I I am envious of your partying ways. I will drink a Labatt's and listen to some Tragically Hip along with you in Canada's honor. Until next week, we'll be back. You be dope. Be kind. Remember, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally. Panda, baby. Panda. Owl bear panda. <laughs> penguin panda. It's a penguin owl. It's a penguin panda. Call. It's an owl bear where the owl is actually a penguin and the bear is actually a panda bear. It's still complicated and confused. It's fantastic. It's <laughs> it great. Is. It's great. It's great. There's an owl man, too.
similar I to the Mothman. Oh, we're going to do cryptids again. 